With your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. We're still here. Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with science advisor Matt Moniz and the Mayan... Long count calendar was either inaccurate or our uh, assumption of what it meant was inaccurate. I'm going to go with door number two. I would go with door number two as well. So uh, we are still here. December 21st, 2012 came and went, and I did not see John Cusack floating by my house in a giant ocean liner. Uh, so I'm going to assume that the world did not end. You know what has ended, though, is uh, my ability to hear on these headphones. I can't hear crap in these things, but we'll fight our way through it tonight. I'll switch them up or something at some point. Mine are fine. Well, yours are plugged into there, so hopefully everybody can hear everything just fine in the chat room Ooh, on Spooky nice TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. They're not that nice. They're costs. They're new for new they, and nice for here in this these, studio. They look nice, but they're like the worst brand ever. I am wearing Bose QC15s, so I'm very upset if it's these i think it's just my patch cord so we'll be fine so you know what to get me for christmas then a new patch cord Cord. exactly (laughs) we always need those patch cords adapters usb cables everything speaking of which uh if you would like to make a donation for the holiday season to spooky south coast just uh paypal it on over to tim at spooky south coast.com because it is the end of the year we do have to pay for our website and our podcasting fees so if you want to help out every little bit helps just send a a gift donation via paypal to tim at spooky south coast.com and we'll put it to good use there there's our little uh public broadcasting spot for the year so we're, we're going to talk about all kinds of things tonight we were originally supposed to have three different guests join us for a three hour mind calendar post game show that's what i was calling <laughs> but for some reason all three of our guests couldn't join us and i'm hoping as i said on facebook wouldn't it be ironic if they were like three people that didn't make it but uh I, i'm sure that they're all fine i hope that they're all fine uh, we will proceed on without them, though, because uh, they are unable to join us. Maybe it's because, you know, it's that whole uh, Harold Camping thing where, you know, they make a prediction and then when it comes and goes, they want to take a little time before they come back and they got to rework their strategy a bit. I don't know. I haven't read the books from the three gentlemen that were going to join us, so I'm not sure about what their approach was to the uh, 2012 question. But I know that there was a lot of theories out there that we would have uh, an alignment of the planets that would cause some sort of pole shift. Now, uh, we would have known about that, of course, long before December 21st. We would have been warned about that by scientists for decades leading up to it, I would assume, if that was going to happen. There was going to be the uh, other possibility that there would be a huge uh, sunstorm that would basically wipe out the sun and therefore us. Uh, I also think we would have had some sort of hints to that ahead of time. And then, of course, the most popular theory uh, amongst our crowd, 
our 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 type of listeners and and guests and things like that is that it would be some sort of uh, shift in consciousness. And of course, that is something that we won't know for a long time. But uh, I can tell you, as of right now, the world doesn't seem any more different to me uh, today than it did uh, Thursday. So, well, it seems the way things have been going, it's more a shift into unconsciousness. But yeah, well, it it's still the same. I mean, maybe it's because it's the hustle and bustle of the holiday season that uh, people are either go both. They go one of two ways. They're either uh, the outright, you know, embodiment of holiday cheer or they are the outright embodiment of bah humbug. Uh, You're either, you know, hugging everybody that you meet or you are punching them in the face to get the last Skylanders Giants game at Walmart. (laughs) So it's (laughs) it's one or the other. And uh, to that old man that I punched, I'm very sorry. I, I didn't realize that you couldn't take a punch. So better luck next year, buddy. I got the last one. <laughs> All right. Anyway. So uh, also tonight, we are going to be giving away. We have two pairs of tickets to Edaville, USA, which for those who are listening. Uh, uh, Your pe- station for the South Coast. Oh, hey. Thanks. For AM that. 1420 WBSM. I think I would have remembered to turn that off. But for anybody that's outside of our immediate listening area here on the terrestrial station, WBSM, or who may be listening on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com or via uh, the podcasts of our show or, or the YouTube archive video, you might not be familiar with Edaville, USA. It is a, it's, it's a theme park, but it's not a typical theme park. It's a train park. It's uh, dedicated to the railroad that was built by LSD Atwood uh, to service his cranberry bogs, and he would use it in the off-season to bring people around. And They used to have a big pond out there where people could go swimming, and he would bring them out on his train, and they would have uh, a great day of summertime fun on, on Atwood's train line. It's the, uh, the narrow-gauge railroad. And... In the 1950s, I believe it was, uh, it was turned into a wintertime amusement park as well, where uh, a wintertime park where they would have the Festival of Lights. They would cover the grounds in the giant bulb Christmas lights, and they had all kinds of Christmas displays, and it became an annual holiday tradition for families around here. Well, in the late 80s, early 90s, it hit some financial struggles, as most places did during the recession of the early 90s, and uh, it actually went out of business for a number of years. And in 1997, it reopened, and since then it's been going strong. And they're still working on trying to bring it back up to what it once was. But uh, it's pretty amazing what they've been able to do over the years. And, and coming up in a little bit, we'll play an interview I recorded the other night with Suzanne Byron of the Edaville USA Park, who updated us on some of the plans for Edaville and some of the things that are going on, uh, and also talked to us about uh, some of the post-Christmas celebrations that they have. Everybody around here knows that Edaville is the place to go for Christmas time activities, for holiday activities, but they're actually going to be open uh, until January 6th. So they're going to have some things going on uh, until then. And, of course, they also have their summertime events, such as the Day Out with Thomas and all of that. Now, wh- why am I talking about this on a paranormal radio show? Why am I promoting Edaville USA? Well, aside from the fact that it's one of my favorite places in the world, and I'm an Edaville junkie, and I grew up on it, and I still enjoy going to it to this day, there's a paranormal connection to Edaville Railroad. It is said to be haunted by the spirit of LSD Atwood, the founder of Edaville, who perished in a boiler explosion in the basement of the main building. Uh, There's also another 
building on the property where there has been multiple suicides that have taken place as well. That's not even to take into account all the uh, spectral Native Americans that have been seen out along the train line. Uh, Some of the uh, cranberry workers who are said to have uh, perished in industrial accidents over the years, whose spirits still roam the grounds. All of the equipment that they brought into the museum, which probably carries its own ghosts and, and legends and lore with it as well. Not to mention all the trains that are mm-hmm. there that are historical that have their own stories. There used to be a time when Edaville was just running the train that Ellis Atwood purchased. Right. But they brought in so many different train cars over the years, and a lot of them were taken out when the park closed down. They were sold off to other parks. In fact, the original Edaville steam train, uh, I believe, is in Maine. But they are running a steam train now on a limited run, um, Sundays through Wednesdays, I believe. We'll hear more about it in the interview. But they're in the process of trying to reacquire a lot of these pieces that were sold off, and they're also bringing in amusement park rides from other defunct parks. For example, the roller co- I'm sorry, the uh, merry-go-round, the carousel, was from Gaslight Village in New York, which, of course, went under when a Six Flags opened up, like, literally a half a mile down the road. But that is uh, a historic park in its own right. And think of all the... We usually associate haunted locations with some sort of negative emotion, but think of all the positive emotion that's been spent at Edaville over the years and at any one of these parks. You know, we talk about Lincoln Park here locally being haunted, uh, Rocky Point, the grounds of Rocky Point being haunted. It's because there's so much positive energy put out that that energy can just as easily be retained and recorded and held and amplified as well as the negative can. I mean, I'm sure you've, in your many years of uh, of you know, searching out the paranormal, you've probably encountered your fair share of positive haunts as well as negative. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Uh, laughing ghosts uh, are reported quite often. And, uh, you know, your basic happy-go-lucky type of mm-hmm. haunting, yeah, where it's more mischievous and in a positive light. They help return things that get lost or, in some cases, even saved lives. So, yeah, not all hauntings are of a negative nature, true. Now, we also are talking about this because the kind folks at Edaville Railroad have been generous enough to give us two pairs of tickets to give away here on the show. And these are good for tomorrow. They're good for Monday, Christmas Eve. They're going to be closed Tuesday for the Christmas holiday. And then they're going to be open Wednesday through Sunday next week. Now, these tickets normally would not be good for Saturday because their promotional tickets aren't good for Saturdays because that's their busiest day. But I was informed by Suzanne that these tickets actually will be honored on Saturday if that's the day that you want to go. So if you win these tickets tonight, you'll be able to go to Edaville any day but Christmas Day. And you'll be able to get in two admissions for free. I believe it's $18 for just about everybody. Otherwise, it's well worth it because there's rides. You get the train ride included. Uh, there's the museum. There's so much to see and do there. Uh, we uh, we spent an hour just going on the Scrambler and the Tilt-A-Whirl and the bumper cars over and over again. And uh, my son had his first Ferris wheel ride there, too, with, on Big Eli, their Ferris Ferris wheel. But, uh, of course, my wife and I didn't take him because we're scared of heights. But <laughs> Jen's friend Nicole was with us, and, and she took him up there while we watched nervously from the ground. But you can... Take these tickets. You can go anytime except Christmas Day. Here's the problem, though. If you want to go before Christmas, WBSM is not going to be open. So if you want to go before Christmas and you win these tickets, you're going to have to come down here tonight and pick them up. And I'll have you fill out a prize form and sign it, and uh, I'll check your ID and all that kind of stuff. Uh, So you'll have to get here by midnight tonight to be able to pick up the tickets if you want to go 
by Christmas Day. Now, I understand most people are probably busy, so if you'd rather go uh, sometime between Wednesday and next Sunday, then, of course, we'll leave them here, and you can pick them up during regular business hours. So uh, what we'll do is I'll throw out the phone numbers, 508-996-0500, Those are the numbers to call, and uh, the first two people to call in during the interview that we're going to play with Suzanne Byron, you will win a pair of tickets to Edaville Railroad. Uh, and you really can't go wrong with that. I mean, it's a great surprise for the kids. It's a great stroll down memory lane for adults. Uh, so, again, the numbers are 508-996-0500, And uh, you can call any time during the interview that we're going to play right now with Suzanne Byron of Edaville, USA. And if you don't win, there's still no reason to check out your opportunity uh, before January 6th to go to Edaville Railroad, uh, Edaville, USA, and experience it for yourself. So now let's go to the interview with Suzanne that was recorded earlier this week. All right. Well, we are with Suzanne Byron of Edaville Railroad, and we're going to talk about some of the uh, exciting things that you can come here and check out. And uh, phones are ringing off the hook here from everybody trying to get in. Uh, there was a nice line when I was coming in here. It helps that this is probably the best night of the week weather-wise. But I know I've been here in years past and snow and rain, and nothing seems to keep the people from coming out and having fun. You're right about that. And particularly as we get close to Christmas, it gets busier and busier. Um, this year, very special, we have a steam engine running every Sunday through Wednesday. So uh, that's been drawing people in. We're actually uh, we're running Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. And both of those days are steam engine days. You know, those, those are actually great days to come to Edaville. It's not biz, crazy busy. There's some families that have made it an annual tradition to come on Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. And uh, we're kind of hoping other people want to make it a tradition, too. And how many years has it been since the park has reopened? After It was closed for a while. It was closed for a while in the uh, 80s and 90s, and it opened again in 97. It's been open since then. Um, we're currently in the process of a uh, three-year expansion project. Um, so maybe even this, maybe by next summer, we should have a, a three-season park instead of a two-season park. <laughs> what are some of the plans uh, with the expansion? We're planning on uh, particularly expanding our summer features. We have a flume, none of this is finalized yet, but we have a uh, water flume ride. Yeah, we, have we have a bumper boat and a water splash park in the works, wow. as well as a wooden roller coaster. Wow. And I, I know that uh, in the past, a lot of the uh, Edaville rides from years past have gone on to other parks, and I know that some of the rides that you've brought in have come from other parks as well. Absolutely. It, it kind of helps keep alive the amusement park tradition. It absolutely does. And in fact, just the other day, I was uh, talking with someone, I was like, I remember this ride from my childhood at Lincoln Park. <laughs> and it brought me back 100 years to my childhood at Lincoln Park. <laughs> if I'm right, was it the carousel that came from Gaslight Village in New York? Yes, that's correct. How did you know that? <laughs> I actually rode that. I went all the way to New York to ride that. Oh. It turns out I could have just waited a few years and ridden it here. Small world, Tim. <laughs> so with, uh, with, with the Christmas season now winding up, of course, so you say you are still open through uh, through the first weekend of January. Absolutely, we're open through January 6th, and again, that's a great time to come. You know, kids are on school break, and it's not huge crowds, and a lot of people find that's the only time they get to relax and enjoy the holidays <laughs> once the work is done. And, and one of the the hallmarks, of course, of coming to Edaville is being able to ride on the train, whether it be the steam train or not. But uh, and taking that ride through and and in. 
previous years, uh, when you came when you came here and you rode the train, you know, you'd be freezing cold, and you know, you wouldn't be closed in like you are now. Now it's a much more comfortable ride than it has been in the past. Absolutely, people like the heat, particularly in the winter. At the same time, they love the cool air in the summer when we take off the windows. <laughs> so. Is there anything uh, new to this season uh, that, that's been added in for this year? Well, actually, the the layout of the park is almost entirely new. Um, the first step of the process was to, in order to make this expansion, we actually have to move the tracks. So, so really, when people come, they'll notice things that they've seen before, but they're all in different places. Um, there's a new Hobo Eats Village down in the in the back end of the Midway. Um, most of the things that are new are, are smaller little magical Christmas touches. But we, we, every year, we reinvent ourselves anyway. We always sure. make the displays new. We, you know, we strive to have newness every year. So it's reminiscent of, mm-hmm. of history and tradition, but it gives people something exciting to keep coming back. And to a hardcore Eaterville guy like myself, you know, I'll walk down and I'll notice, oh, those dinosaurs are new. They you know, are. just things like that that I pick you up on right the away. Dinosaurs. I actually still go around to some of the people's yards that purchase the old exhibits and put them on their yards and I'll bring my son by and be like, hey, look, this used to be at Edaville, you know. Yes, well, that's what the owner and general manager do here, too, this time of year as they go around and buy up the old history. And try to say, hey, uh, how much to get that out of your yard and back in the park where it belongs? You're right about that. Yeah, there's definitely a tradition of keeping tradition alive and well. And everything that we can get and bring to add to our tradition, we absolutely do that. So now until January 6th, we have the winter season, and then what's on tap for, for the, the summer months? really depends on how cold the winter is. We have a heavy construction schedule planned for the spring, and we'll definitely be open for some dates this summer, definitely Dare with Thomas, um, and hopefully a lot more summer dates, and obviously a full fall schedule. I think we're going to be doing Halloween a lot bigger this year. Excellent. Maybe that, a whole month long. I as know. much as I love Christmas, Halloween, <laughs> no, I'm all about it. I know you are. And then, of course, Christmas is always our, our bread and butter and our first love. And, and continue to be so. New to this year was the uh, the season passes. Uh, actually, yeah, we did a very special season pass, actually, that um, it was kind of our gamble season pass that goes into through the fall of next year. So if we're open all summer, they got the best deal in Edaville's <laughs> history. We kind of just wanted people to get involved with and excited about the construction. Sure. Which is actually a pretty complicated thing being on, you know, the sensitive ecological area we are and the, you know, you're digging up small places, you get some surprises. Oh. <laughs> Surprise. And if everybody wants to keep up to date with everything, they can just go to edaville.com. Absolutely. Uh, actually, the most up to date is uh, our Facebook. And that's also where we have our best offers, including we're going to have some great after Christmas specials. So go to facebook.com. Facebook.com slash Edaville USA. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tim. Merry Christmas. All right. Thank you so much to Suzanne Byron and to Edaville for those tickets. We just gave away both pairs. Congratulations to Scott and Marlene. They were our winners. And uh, they'll be able to attend Edaville Railroad and uh, Edaville USA as it's known now. And, you know, these headphones are no better, by the way. (laughs) So it's your tag. We'll fi- no, it's not. Now it's. I'm convinced it's the, the patch cord. But we'll figure it out during the news. It's actually cutting out on me now. <laughs> so we'll go forward. So everybody that's trying to call in, the, the tickets are gone, but thank you for trying. And uh, everybody that did not win, hey, you can still check out Edaville on your own. There's uh, coupons that are going to be out there. And as, uh, as you heard Suzanne say in the interview, uh, the tickets will be out there uh, on the website and on Facebook for $5 off after Christmas, so the tickets only be $13 a person, and uh, included in that is a train ride on, if you go on one of the Wednesday through Sunday dates, you get to ride the authentic steam train, so 
that is uh, the winter report for Edaville. We'll we'll let you know what's going on in the spring and the summer months, and and hopefully, I, I don't want to give too much away, but we might be able to do some legend tripping there somewhere down the line. With uh, regards to Edaville, is there a, a limit on the age? You know, do kids say under five get in? I think free? it's anybody over two is charged full price. Okay. So uh, let me check the. I, I just figured I might want to click, you know, how young can is the youngest? That I think it's uh, under, two and under is free. Because so much of the stuff they have there is for kids. Yeah. That, uh, especially with the, the Polar Express events they do and the Day Out with Thomas events, those are some of the more popular things there. So, Moniz, I, I got to ask you, as we were heading toward December 21st, what was on your mind? Because I know that you're pretty sure that there's some sort of, uh, you know, apocalypse coming sooner or later. There's the, the soon, you, oh, we have record of it yeah. There's there's no doubt as a scientist you know that just as it begins it so must end. Right. I mean it's just a matter of when in you know our our particular case. I mean we've had a number of different types of apocalypses if you want to look at it this uh, in a scientific standpoint we've we've had the world frozen over taken over by fire uh, w- waters covered the planet and you know we've had it in darkness and light and all, all all sorts of conditions over and over again in in this earth's history and we know that it's just going to continue it's a matter of calculating when that's the part we really don't have a good handle on is when it's going to happen again well and i think it's because it could be such an abstract of when the date would be you know it's it's almost incomprehensible the age of the earth when you think about it and even then, we're not 100% certain that we're right. Right. You know, it's uh, it's our best educated guess. And so, therefore, trying to predict an end would also be a best educated guess. And that education is reflective of the time in which that guess is made. So, looking at the Mayan belief and, and the idea of their long count calendar, I mean, what, what was, for all the, the time that you've heard about this, and keep in mind, that we've only really heard about this apocalyptic doomsday end of the Mayan calendar prediction within the last 10 years, I'd say. Yes. Maybe even a little bit less than that. Uh, actually, the it, the basis of the end of the world apocalypse for Mayan things only comes from one temple in one area. and um, But the long count calendar is just a, a a timekeeping device mm-hmm. in the rest of the Maya, rest of the Mayan culture. Uh, it only became popular because of uh, what somebody interpreted in just one temple. Okay, and if I'm not mistaken, the 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 reliefs that they were taken from were also still incomplete too because of uh, uh, destruction to it. So you don't even really know if that was fully the case. But the long count calendar, or Bakhtuns, as they are actually known as, um, go on into octillion of years mm-hmm. is when when the actual Mayan calendars end. And contrary to popular belief, there are still plenty of Mayans. I think there's still like what eight hundred thousand of them. In yeah, Guatemala. that's that's a huge myth. There's there's a, a significant Mayan population in this area alone. Yeah. So that's that's a myth that the Mayans are no longer around. But the Mayan civilization is no longer around. Their great civilization did perish uh, yeah. long before <laughs> they predicted 
the world would end. Uh, and I should qualify that by saying that they didn't say the world was going to end, but long before we interpreted it to mean that. So, uh, well, we got a phone call here. Let's take this call, but then I'm going to throw out a question to you and to the listeners as well. All right. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Can we have your name, please? Hey. Did somebody already get the tickets? Oh, yes. We already gave them away. Sorry about that. Okay. It was ringing, ringing, ringing. So I guess that's probably <laughs> why it was ringing, because you guys were probably answering the other call. We were. But uh, you can still check out Edaville before January 6th. Okay. I'll do that. Thank right. you Thanks for listening. Show. Happy very, holidays. Very interesting. Thank very you so much. So, okay. Bye now. All right. Bye-bye. So I do want to throw it out there, uh, th- this question of we know we knew that nothing was going to happen. We were already making plans for January shows, so we were pretty yeah. sure that nothing was going to happen. Ninety nine percent February sure. events that we got coming up. Yeah, we, right. We're already selling tickets to uh, <laughs> to uh, Houghton Mansion, haunting the Houghton from LegendTrips dot com on uh, April fifth to the seventh. So buy your tickets now. They make a great last minute Christmas gift for the paranormal fan in your life. <laughs> Just go to LegendTrips dot com to purchase those tickets. But Still, in the back of your mind, there had to be the idea that you wanted to do something, something that you wanted to get done just in case you were wrong and it was the end. There must have been some sort of preparation that you made. Was was there anything at all that entered into your mind that, well, this could be the last time that I do this or I might not get another chance to do this? Well, I am kind of a prepper person to begin with, So, but uh, it my preparation is just out of just that the need to be prepared in case something happens it's not because you know the mayan calendar or you know zombie apocalypse really actually happening but there are chances and especially the way we've seen this world going in in this country going it doesn't hurt to be prepared to be able to hunker down in in your home or 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 what have you and be prepared for unrest that may happen for a few weeks or whatever. But was there any moment where you were like, uh, gee, you know, I, I shouldn't have this second piece of cake for dessert, but then you're like, hey, you know what? The world might end tomorrow, so I might as well eat it now, because what good would it do me to have it in the fridge when the world blows up? Well, you know me and stuff like that. Yeah, All right, I, you don't, I don't you, need you, the excuse for the yeah. end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just want to throw it out there to the listeners. If, if, if you had any... Uh, end of the world preparations that you made or may still be making, give us a call. Let us know. 508-996-0500-1877-996-1420. You can also post it in the chat room on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com or you can email us SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. But let's bring up our show's content director, our good friend Chris Balzano. And the air button isn't working. Hold on. Let me just try this. Chris, are you with us? Hello. Okay, you're there. How are you? Uh, we're, we're alive. <laughs> I, uh, I spent my last 24 hours compiling my 24 favorite Spooky South Coast episodes. That's not true, is it? No, of course it's not true, but I wish I had. I, I was going to say, because they're all tied for number one, aren't they? <laughs> You've been they're on more all, than 24 uh, times. I, I have, I think, been on more than 24 times, yeah, but uh, you know, there, were, there were a few other ones that I wasn't involved in that actually I thought were pretty good, too. I, I do have to point out here, it's it's amazing that we've done like over 300 episodes. We're actually coming up on our seventh anniversary next month, and I believe it's a Saturday night. I believe we're going to be on the air. That's crazy. I mean, it's, it's uh, from, that, from that first conversation we had while you were already uh, running, you guys have come so far. So it's an amazing uh, amazing job you're doing, and I'm, I'm glad that the 
yeah, the world didn't end because we got some interesting people coming up, hopefully. Awesome. Well, uh, were you making any kind of plans? Were you, even in the back of your mind, was there anything that you wanted to accomplish or, or, or have on hand just in case uh, things went to hell? No, I mean, I did a lot of studying, you know, because um, I wasn't sure how it was going to be coming. And so I, I, it's very weird. When I watch any of those kind of, uh, um, you know, apocalyptic shows, I, I never, I always, I always get in survival mode. I always get into like, yeah, that'd be really cool. Like, I never think if it's like the, a rapture kind of one where just like we all just burn except for a few people. I mean, I, I think of myself, you know, more in the role of like, uh, you know, The Walking Dead or even, you know, The Stand, which has, you know, you know, the majority of people die, but there's like a, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a month or so when everyone's still alive. So I was going to this revival mode of like, where would I go? What would I do? You know, how would I know? I mean, uh, my wife and I, it was funny you were saying about the, you know, this is only kind of gained steam. Um, I think this started gaining steam after the Nostradamus one didn't come out. Mm-hmm. And I remember planning for that because my wife was here in Florida and I was in Massachusetts of like, okay, if the apocalypse happens, here's where we're going to meet till we find each other and blah, 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 blah and all this stuff like that. And, and, uh, and now I just think about like how much beef jerky I would get. <laughs> so I think like a really good thing to have in an apocalypse would be beef jerky because it doesn't seem to go bad. Well, I wouldn't go with just beef. I'd get multitudes of different types of jerky. Yeah, it, you know, and it's, I, I think for some reason, we have a fascination with the world ending, but we also have a fascination with kind of being survivalists, like being the last people on Earth, and kind of like, would we rebuild society, or would we just be in survival mode, and, and what would we do if that happened? I mean, Doomsday Preppers is not just a popular show because you laugh at people that are crazy. You're like, <laughs> how far would I go, or what would I be doing? you calling crazy? <laughs> I said the show Doomsday Preppers, not actual Doomsday Preppers. Well, I mean, let, let, let's put it in Walking Dead terms for for a minute, because uh, so many of our listeners uh, and our viewers are, are fans of the program. So, I mean, what would be the more idyllic situation for you if you were in that type of situation? Would you want to be part of the Rick camp where, you know, you're surviving on your own and, and uh, you're finding your own way in the world? Or would you rather be one of the people who live under the governor and you're depending on somebody else to kind of take the reins and lead you and, and, and shelter you? Well, I, I, and I'm talking well, all negative and positive, uh, you know, character development aside. I'm just saying between those those two ways of living, which would you prefer? It's so, uh, I, think we, I think we could probably have a whole show just on just on this one topic. So I'm, I'm glad, <laughs> glad you asked. Good, good, uh, good question. Matt, what were you going to say? What I was going to say is it's funny how they've uh, distilled it down in, in the way they've got it like that. In, in a political sense, you know, liberal and conservative type of views still carried on at, into the uh, the apocalypse, mm-hmm. so to speak. You've got the uh, the governor being more of a liberal type of government ruling overall, and then you've got the Rick type where everybody's fending for themselves, standing on their own merits and stuff like that, trying to eke out their existence that way. Well, you know, there are moments uh, in Camp Rick definitely moments in the comic as well where you know it's it's not nowhere near as liberal as it seems i mean he's even in the show comes around and like this is no longer democracy um and so so i mean you ultimately i guess have to follow that strong personality but we're all kind of looking for that you know in times of crisis we're always like okay i don't have the slightest idea what to do um who's the person who's the strongest who's the alpha um and and most people just kind of kind of sworn to that i I think it comes down to, like, a question of, 
you know, where the, the governor in, in that camp seems to be much more of take the world, you know, mm-hmm. um, of being kind of uh, like expanding their power as opposed to just surviving. And I've always thought of myself as much more, much too laid back to be like that. Like, even if I was in survival mode, I would still be the one who is like, this is my place. This is what I defend. This is what I, and I don't care what's going on up there unless I need something or something like that. Whereas opposed to, you know, there's something here. Are they a threat to us? Yeah, maybe not. Let's we'll just go take it anyway. Right. So you're more of a, um, you're, you're a Herschel. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I probably, I probably, either that or Glenn, but nowhere near as fast because I'm too fat. But I mean, other than <laughs> <laughs> I think I have a very uh, uh, um, Glenn personality. I'd, I'd, be the one, I'd want to be not the man, but the person that the man counts on for those little jobs. I think would be the, probably the best way to say it. So if you know, if we were wrong and and we did have uh, a catastrophic event happen last night, yesterday, at some point, yesterday morning, whatever it would have occurred. Uh, of course, we can't all get on the same page about that because we have these things called time zones. Uh, but if if something catastrophic had happened, I mean, we, we've got to be pretty happy with uh, the way that we've brought this show forward anyway. We can't be happy with the condition that we left the world in. Uh, but at least when it comes to our little small microcosm of the globe that we call Spooky South Coast, uh, we've got to be pretty happy with what we've been able to accomplish uh, over the years. And, and as we're coming up here on the end of 2012, I do want to say to you thank you for all that you brought to the show this year and, and not only contributing but also helping us put together some of these great shows and when you look back at some of the archives of what we've done we, we've had some pretty outstanding topics this year yeah yeah and i'd like to see a little bit of a, of a shift going a little old school uh in 2013 because uh you know as i was actually compiling my 24 favorite episodes that don't involve me um, I was looking at some of the older guests, and I'm like, wow, we got to get some of these people back who are, who are maybe they don't have a book out, you know, but that should not be our motivation for presenting things. But we had a lot of really interesting ideas, and I would love to revisit some of those people now that the landscape has changed so much in seven years. Right. And you know, like what their reaction is to things that are going on now. We have to get a little bit less reliant on them coming to us and and having something to promote and getting back to when we said, gee, I wonder what it would be like to talk about this, and let's see if we can find somebody that can that can do that. Yeah, so I've, I've actually been uh, creating a little list of, of, uh, of topics and people that I've heard that are just like, huh, this is kind of interesting. Okay, you know, I'm not sure how, you know, relevant this is to today because there's not something you can then go out and, you know, that's new on the market or something like that, but this is an idea that's still pretty kind of cool. Right. So, well, we'll definitely do all that. Now, can you stick around with us uh, in the second hour? Ah, uh, sure. You'll have me. Oh, we definitely will. Okay. We're going to take a break for the news coming up in, in just a couple minutes. But when we come back on the other side, we can talk about all kinds of things. We can talk more about some of the questions coming up in the chat room or whether or not you know there's going to be another one of these doomsday predictions. So we can kick that topic around. And uh, we can also talk about some holiday legends and lore as well. And we'll just have a big old free-for-all because basically, you know, we, we've – we're celebrating the fact that we're still here, and our three guests that were going to join us uh, could not. So that's I, their loss. I think the time locks on their uh, bunkers uh, were set for two weeks or longer. So it's going to take a little while before they're in com- before they communicado again. Yes. Yeah. All right. So we uh, we'll do all that uh, before we let 
everybody go, though, for the uh, first hour here. I will remind everyone about that event that I spoke of just a few minutes ago, Haunting the Houghton. It'll be at the Houghton Mansion in North Adams, Massachusetts, April 5th through the 7th, 2013. And it's going to be a fantastic event because it's our first multi-night event. And we are going to be partying hard on that first night, Friday night, uh, at the hotel that we're still finalizing all the deals with. But uh, it'll be not that far from the Houghton Mansion itself. And we'll have some presentations. We'll go out for some drinks afterwards. We'll have a good time. We'll, uh, we'll wake up probably a little bit later than we should on Saturday, but we'll have some things going on uh, Saturday during the afternoon as well before the big event happens Saturday evening into Sunday early morning. Uh, we, we will investigate the Houghton Mansion. Uh, Ron Kolick from Ghost Chronicles and New England Ghost Project, he'll be with us, as well as Josh Mantello from uh, Berkshire Paranormal Group. Right, Chris? Oh, yeah, Berkshire <laughs> and And Josh is the man when it comes to all things at the Houghton Mansion. So uh, he'll be part of this event as well. And, of course, uh, the Spooky Crew and Jeff Belanger. And, you know, uh, we'll, we'll be up there leading the event and bringing people around to the different zones that we're going to investigate. And then even Sunday morning we can all get together have some breakfast afterwards. So it's going to be a, a great three-day event. We're looking forward to it. Again, it's April 5th through the 7th at the Houghton Mansion in North Adams, Massachusetts. It's a little bit of a drive for people around this area, but we are working out a hotel room deal. It looks like it's going to be about $112 a night for the hotel room, which is a really good price for that area, especially that time of year when people are still up there skiing. The fact that we can even hold on to some rooms and uh, have them put aside some rooms for us is fantastic and they're, they're really helping us out huge with that so just go to legendtrips.com if you want to purchase tickets they're $149 each uh, that only includes uh, admission to the event itself that does not include the hotel room or uh, any meals besides of course we'll give you dinner on the night of the investigation but everything else uh, is not included and uh, also uh, you can if you go to PayPal and you qualify you can spread it out with their Build Me Later plan. So check it out, legendtrips.com. We'll be right back with more after the news here on Spooky South Coast. With your hosts, Tim Weisberg. Welcome back, our number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with science advisor Matt Moniz. And uh, we are here talking with you about the paranormal. That's what we do. We talk about other things, too, but we're not nearly as good talking about that stuff as we are talking about the paranormal and joining us on the phone lines is the content director for spooky south coast and spooky south com, christopher balzano and chris i haven't had a chance to tell you but uh, we have uh, one of our friends uh, here on the program is uh, putting together a potential new show for spooky tv oh cool excellent uh, can you uh are you allowed to see the idea behind it or uh, well, I, I guess the it's going to be similar to our format. It's going to emanate from a radio station. Uh, I don't know if it's going to broadcast over the radio as well, but it's going to be recorded in a station and and uh, broadcast over Spooky TV. So I'll send you all the details uh, privately uh, because I don't want to make a formal announcement yet until uh, everything is secured. But uh, you know, it's from from one of the young up and comers in the local paranormal scene who who Moniz knows very well. 
Uh, he's a really tall kid. You know who I'm talking about? Um, I believe so. Okay. So uh, we'll wait till we can make a formal announcement. But, you know, any anytime we can get more programming on Spooky TV and on the Spooky Alternative podcast feed, those, those are great things. I know we've kind of been behind in keeping up with Spooky Alternative with the holidays upon us, but hopefully that's something we can get back into a little bit more next year. Uh, yes, with the midterms, I should say, <laughs> and things like that. So our school schedule is, uh, is different than uh, up in Massachusetts. So especially the last three weeks have all been about trying to get a whole bunch of middle schoolers to not fail out. So yeah. better, things, better days to come. Yeah, that was the issue that uh, that I had was uh, it's a very difficult time with me work-wise and, and uh, then – trying to get everything together for the holidays and everything but uh you know we'll we'll have some fun with it it's it's there and it's in people can check it out and anybody that wants to contribute that has an idea for a program uh, either for spooky tv or maybe you just want to do it as a podcast maybe you want to do it as both just uh, reach out to us spooky crew at spooky com. there's there, i mean there's really no restraints uh in, in broadcasting these two mediums uh, except you know we'd like you to keep it classy but uh, other than that I mean, really, you have the free form to say whatever you want. So, Chris, people would be crazy not to take us up on this offer, right? Yeah, and we don't even really care that whether they're sane or not. I mean, you know, it's, it's, they don't have to be classy because the, the beauty of Spooky Alternative is you just don't, you don't download that show. You know, I mean, it's, right. with iTunes especially, it's, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a slip of your finger to get rid of it if you don't want to get rid of it. So if you like something like Voices from the Past or, um, you know, any of the upcoming shows that we've got going on, it's... it's Right, yeah. We just we just don't want people like using it as a forum to, to launch attacks and and to uh you know, s- slander other people. Um, right. but outside of that, you know, if it, no matter how crazy or quirky you might feel your idea is, there's room for it. I mean, if sanity was a requirement for this program, we wouldn't have made it to our seventh anniversary. Well, you know, it, it, it's, it's been, like I said, I've been going out of, as actually because I'm trying to find someone's email address to get in touch with them about something. I've been going through some very old emails back of the pararelation days and even before that, and I was thinking, like, wow, so many ideas that I had back then, some of the things that I've never, like, explored because, you know, things went one way or things went the other way. I think 2013, um, much like 2003 was, it was going to be a really interesting year. I, I'm totally into this. Excuse me, numerology thing of, of cycles because 2012 so much mirrored my 2002 um, that it was that it was just you know I'm totally ready for this year to end. Um, but 2003 was a really productive year for me, a very important year for me. So I'm, I'm feeling that like you know there's a lot of interesting things coming up both on the spooky South Coast front and also on the Balzano front. You want another interesting little piece of numerology? Yeah. The Bakhtun, or the long count, is 144,000 days long. Okay. And, and the apoc- and during the apocalypse or the, or the great, you know, uh, rapture, only 144,000 people were supposed to be saved. If you. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's when you start doing numbers like that, it's it's really crazy. I was um I was you know doing a. Uh, some experiments in my math class, and I just said, okay, I want you guys to all, and I you know, told all the different classes, like, I want you to guys just notice how many 16s you have. And I said, it's an informal homework assignment. I'll give you extra credit. I'll just make a list of all the times you see 16 between now when I just said it and tomorrow when I check in with you. And I told every class a different number. 
And it was insane how many times, you know, they were able to come up with those numbers when they started looking for them because they're out there. And, and you were doing your Angel show uh, last week, so people should listen to that if they, if they didn't have a chance yet. And um, that's all that kept running through my head was this, this idea I have that, you know, my angels, not sure how spiritual they are or where they lie into kind of the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the range of the things you guys talked about, what angels might be. But one of the things I know for sure is that they offer signs all the time. Um, and when I don't follow those signs, bad things happen. When I follow those signs, interesting things happen. Not always, like, immediately, you know, explosively amazing, but they put me on very interesting paths. So I, I, love, to, I love to hear about those kinds of number things. Well, Although we can become obsessed with them, too. Oh, well, that's true. I mean, I, I know somebody who is very obsessed with the numbers, and they kind of break everything down. And, and try to figure out the numero- numerological meaning to things before they even go through with them. And the problem with that is it all depends on how you're looking at those numbers right. <laughs> and, and how you're basing those decisions. And it's almost like uh, I look at it more as you're not looking for guidance as much as you're looking for a scapegoat when something goes wrong. It's not about making sure you follow the right path. It's who to blame when the path goes wrong. And it's, uh, you know, we were, um, we were talking... You know, earlier in the year when the, the Colorado shootings had happened, and I was making these connections between um, between the, those shootings and, and Batman and um, the, the Denver International Airport, <laughs> at some point I realized that I was like, well, wait a minute, everything is connected because I am connecting it. You know, and so we really can kind of become, we can, we can see things that aren't there. You know, and then you think, well, are they there? Are they really there? Or are they, am I making them up? Or... Am I making them up because they're actually there? I'm the only sane person in the world, or am I, you know, just becoming too kind of consumed with this? So it's just, I guess that's kind of like, you know, the arguments we made about a lot of the paranormal. So it's just really difficult to keep your sanity when you're doing those kinds of things. Well, one of the things that uh, we've we've been discussing here tonight is the idea of the holidays and, and sharing some of these holiday uh, stories. And, and I, I decided, you know what, that might be a little bit too... Uh, cheery and rosy for me tonight that's, that's not exactly how i'm feeling tonight so i want to take a cue from a number of other radio programs that are out there and, and I'm, I'm not talking about paranormal radio programs but just radio shows in general I listen to a lot of sports radio a lot of news talk chris i know you listen to a lot of npr so you've probably heard a similar theme program uh where people kind of take these end of the year shows and they are out some of their grievances from 2012 they clear the air so when do we have the feats of strength and the pole <laughs> I'm I'm looking to have a chance for people to get off their chest what bothered them about the paranormal field in 2012. Wow. And then we'll do the feats of strength in, I, in the Festivus poll. No, there'll be uh, the feats of strength we'll have to put on hold till I'm not sick because I feel like I wouldn't be up to my normal strength, but the poll is fine. Oh, I thought the we airing of Yeah, well, we're doing the airing the, of the airing of the airing of the grievances is Something that I think goes beyond just Festivus. Uh, as much as it's a required part of celebrating the holiday, I think it's a cel- it's a part necessary part of moving forward from one year to another. Any anyway, usually when we're on the couch because I don't go out on New Year's Eve. Normally when we're out on the couch and we're sitting there watching television, hopefully the Three Stooges marathon or the Twilight Zone marathon. Sometimes it's you know Ryan Seacrest. It's, you know, it just depends on what what episodes they're showing of either of the other marathons. Walking you know, Dead Marathon. Well, I, I've already watched all those, so 
And, and I don't, I find it to be in, interesting, but I don't really worship that show as much as other people do. And so once is enough for me on most episodes, but that's my own opinion. And, uh, but we'll be sitting on the couch and, and, and I'll say, Hey, you know what really sucked about this year? And it's, it's not, it's not a formal airing of the grievances, but it's just, it's what pops in your head is your, it's, it's getting rid of all the bad vibes and bad energy as we move forward. So I'll throw open the phone lines, 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420. What bothered you about the paranormal this year? And we don't have to get into two specifics. I don't want to hear, you know, 10 people calling up and being like, Aaron Houdini bothered me this year. <coughs> oh, excuse me. But, you know, what? what is it that bothered you about the paranormal this year? And I'm, I'm going to throw this out there as my own way to start it off. And I'll let you guys say what you want about this. And... I'm, I'm not disparaging anybody who does this. Chris and I started a company called Power Relations a few years ago where the idea was to uh, go forward with helping those who might not be media savvy enough with getting the word out there about themselves or their projects. Uh, we weren't looking to make anybody stars. We were just looking to help them uh, get a wider audience for what it is they want to do or maybe not even get a wider audience, Chris, but to at least be knowledgeable in approaching uh, media coverage for themselves and for their work because as you and I know working in this field that if people don't come at us with the right approach we just throw it right. away if right. a press release isn't in the proper format we don't bother to read it so that was the idea behind that but there seems to be a new focus on paranormal air quotes here talent and such would result the need for talent agents to handle the paranormal <laughs> Now, uh, you know, Lara Calhoun and, and some of these people, they do a great job in representing people in the paranormal field and helping them book gigs and, and helping them get into conferences and, and different projects and, and other things like that. And I, I'm not putting down their work because they're very committed to helping people. I'm just scratching my head at why we think we need to have that. Right, right. And and, and, it's, and, the, and the odd thing is, is that the, you know, a talent agent in theory um, bankers or brokers, the best deal for someone, and they're really like brokering between um, <laughs> nothing or a little of something, <laughs> you know. And, and it's it's other than the fact that you know, if you're looking for a paranormal person, the person should be genuine, which I think shines through. Um, and so now you're trying to like you know, people who aren't making a lot of money on this are kind of giving the impression that they can make a lot of money because something someone is out there. Recruiting them or managing them—I'm mm -hmm. not sure what you know if, if your grievance is along that lines, but it creates this this kind of in my in my head when I hear that it creates this kind of impression that um, that there's so much money and there's so much of a, of a gold ring or a brass ring to be grabbed for that you know you have to you have to have something over someone and and that kind of creates a lot of the. Uh, and I hate to throw this word out there again because I'm going to throw up in my mouth as I say it, but the drama that's out there, the jealousy that happens is because, you know, somebody will be represented by a talent agent. And so, therefore, that makes them feel or makes the perception be there that they may be more viable than somebody who doesn't. And that isn't necessarily the case. They're just somebody who's willing to, you know, share a percentage of whatever they make from somebody who's going to help them. Uh, navigate the waters. I mean, for a lot of people in this field, it's 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 very very part time. So if they can bring somebody on board that's going to help them, uh, say you know, some time saving measures and helping them uh, 
uh, book these events and, and get out there more. You know, if, if you said to me right now, hey, Tim, I'm going to get you booked into five, you know, conferences this year, uh, and you just got to give me a percentage of what you get for them, I'd be like, yeah, sure, go ahead, because there's no way I'm going to spend the time to find the five conferences I can make it to on the dates that I'm available, right. contact the owners and work out the deals. And, you know, so many people, uh, I talked to a number of people who will go appear at a conference and you'll find out that they paid their own way to get there. They put themselves up in the hotel room and they didn't get paid for going to the event. All they got out of it was a free ticket and they gave somebody a hour and a half lecture for free. Right, right. You know, and, and no, I, sorry, I remember back in our Paralations day, we had we had a a prominent paranormal radio host um, who uh, who we were talking to, and his his approach to us was, I just don't want to deal with this. <laughs> like I've got all this stuff. I want someone to just you know negotiate. Tell me where I'm going. You know, it's almost more of rather than rather than public relations, we were um, business managers, right. you know, or we were event coordinators for him. You know, and and you know, it was appealing to do. But the but the fact of the matter was, there was uh, an appeal and a draw for this person. You know, what I'm saying he had the people approaching him, um, and he thought that he would be able to have more of that with someone to to work those things out. The right. problem with all these talent agents is they're creating a market that doesn't really exist. Um, and so instead of taking someone who is popular who needs kind of help managing those things, instead they're taking people who aren't popular and saying, I can make you very popular. And so they're kind of offering them a uh, kind of a shallow bag of goods. Well, I... I think that we can have a show coming up in the future where we discuss this more in depth. With We can bring in some of these paranormal talent agents and, and talk to them about their approach and maybe bring in uh, some people that work in the talent industry outside of the paranormal and see, see what their thoughts are on whether or not uh, this is a viable thing. Uh, because it is something that I think is going to be more prominent in 2013 as there's more people looking for the opportunity than there are opportunities looking for the people. Right, right. So, and again, as I'm saying, like, I, I, I can't tell you uh, if this is a good thing uh, for you to get involved in because I don't know what these talent agents can deliver. I don't know what they promise. I do know that I have been doing some investigating into some of their work and, and seeing their client list and realizing I don't know who any of these people are. And I don't know that if I'm just a run-of-the-mill person uh, trying to put something together in the paranormal that I'd want to hire these people if I don't know who they are. Uh, so it's definitely a topic that uh, airs some more, uh, deserves some more airtime uh, later on down the line. Uh, Moni, just what are your thoughts real quick as, as somebody who has kind of shied away from the spotlight over the years as an investigator? Now, you've, you've stepped into the spotlight over the last few years as a host of this show and as an oddball on 30-odd minutes, but that that's... Not not to be insulting in any way. I don't mean this to sound bad. That's Moniz the character. Even though that's you and that is 100% you, you seem to have a very healthy disconnect between uh, what you need to do in front of the camera and what you need to do in the field. You know what I'm saying? You can go on TV and be goofy and still have no problem showing up at somebody's house saying that you're there to help them with their issue. Right. Um, when I say character with you, I mean it in the lovingest sense of the word. Oh, no, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit, oh, yeah, I am most definitely a character. Right. Uh, best taken in moderation. Uh, but I, 
I shied away from doing these things. Usually when when I'm asked to do these things on television or these events, I, I generally do it for friends to help mm-hmm. them out. Um, and most of the time, uh, I, I, I try to stay away from the, the limelight, so to speak. I'm here because I, I know everybody and I've been all of the places and I'm associated with everything. But uh, for the most part, I, I think it takes away when we have a lot of these people all being experts away from the actual item that we're all looking at. Right. And it, it, for every weekend that you're out there, you know, lecturing at a conference and, and building up your resume, that's great. But that's a weekend that you're spending away from, from why you got in this in the first right. place. Unless maybe that is the reason why you got in this in the first right. place. I mean, it's it's crazy, Chris. But, you know, Moniz is a guy who when I, you know, we, we have the Legend Trips events and, and everybody is paid for their time that runs these events. And when I hand him the check to pay him, he tries to give it back. And he's like, no, put this towards something. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, you've earned this. And it, it, he just doesn't have that connection of thinking, I, like, I can get paid for doing this. I, I never right. really got paid for doing it in the past. I don't want, you know, to me, if I'm taking money for it, then it, I've lost why I'm doing it in the first place. I'm doing this for answers, not accolades, not cash, not not fame or anything. It's, I'm doing this because I seriously want to know what the heck's going on. Mm-hmm. That's simple. Well, we have a call on the line. Let's see. Maybe this is somebody that wants to share a paranormal grievance. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you? Hello? All right. Well, uh, maybe they got disconnected. If you want to call in, 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420. Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com is the email address, and the chat room is at Spooky TV. At SpookySouthCoast.com. Just go to our website, click on the live show tab at the top, and go to Spooky TV with chat room, and you'll be able to jump in. You can do so anonymously if you want, and uh, and you can share some of your grievances as well. Chris, what's bothered you about the paranormal field this year? Wow. Um, so I, I would probably say uh, my big biggest grievance is, uh, I don't want to get too much into this, um, other than to air it, <laughs> would be, um, you know, paranormal people feeling the need to share things that are not paranormal with me, um, you know, in their, in their political beliefs and their, um, you know, their, their uh, you know, and all forms of things. Like, I don't care who you're arguing with. I don't right. care who you don't like. I don't care how you vote. I don't care what you think about gun control. I don't care what you think about, you know, these different kinds of things. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things where I... You know, I've got my, my good friends in the paranormal and people who, wow, like, you and I can have a conversation about something non-paranormal related, and, and that's cool. And, and, and But then there's a group of people who I'm just interested in what they're doing in, in the paranormal field. Mm-hmm. And I think what happens is that when you all of a sudden get that microphone, you get that megaphone, and people are listening to you or people following you on, on the, you know, social media, all of a sudden you start talking about other things that totally just turns me off because I'm like, I, I want to hear what you were talking about this. Like, this was interesting to me. What you're saying now kind of turns me off. And even if I believe necessarily believe in you, you know, or I, or I share a similar political view or, or, or a view about, um, you know, I might think this person's a jerk too, I kind of don't want to spend my time doing that with you. <laughs> you're my paranormal person. You're not my... You're, and, you know, you've never proven to me necessarily that I should listen to your beliefs well i don't, I don't um, know if that's so, necessarily so, so, 
so that's it, it, but, but, but you know, and obviously, well, then you just don't follow me or don't do this. But it's like, but I like this part of you. Right. Um, and what's happening is you're using your paranormal audience to sell a bag of goods for something else completely. I don't. I don't think that's just a. Par- <clears throat> excuse me, just a paranormal issue. I think that's something that's, you know, society wide with social media and social networking the way that it is. I mean, we get a chance to hear what everybody thinks about everything. We we see pictures of what somebody ate for dinner. You know, they let us know when they had a bowel movement. Sometimes they tweet pictures of that bowel movement. I mean, <laughs> it, we live in a TMI slash TMZ society right now, where you know people either want to share too much with us or. People want to find out things that they shouldn't know about the people who don't want to share. Yeah, but you're looking at it uh, in the sense that on Facebook or any of these social medias, a person is a whole unit. Uh, the the paranormal is just one aspect of them. Uh, people are multifaceted. And unfortunately or fortunately, depending upon which way you want to look at it, their other interests are what you're going to get. So you can't separate what you want out of a person from what all of the parts that they are. I mean, as much as people may have hated Hitler, I'm sure he had a couple of little shining points that other people might just like, you know, they say he was an artist. He was a it, terrible artist. But, but but the point being is... I think you need to find a new example besides Hitler. <laughs> I think you're going to have a hard time stretching that one out to fit your argument. <laughs> Stay away from Hitler. You know, you might want to avoid, you know. How about Stalin? You should have tasted, you should have tasted his egg, though. Yeah. Hitler could make an omelet. But the point being is that, that that there are other factors that, you know, you can take out of somebody else. Just because. One, but I, I think, and Chris, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but I think what Chris is meaning here is his interaction with those people. We're not talking about people, Chris, I'm assuming you mean not people that you become friends with. I mean, you'll take that part of my personality, Matt's personality, Jess' personality, other people that you've met in this field that you've become friends with beyond the paranormal connection. But you're talking about just the, the people in general who you've maybe contacted on what we'll call a professional basis within this field who suddenly feel like you know they right. need to share all that right. stuff with you. And, and I'm also talking about personal conversations with them as well. With, within a paranormal context, like we're, you know, I'm talking, you know, paranormal things with them, and all of a sudden they're just going, you know, well, what about this? And, you know, in the same way, I don't care how what Tom Cruise thinks about Tom, gun control, and I don't care what, you know, uh, someone I'm watching on television has to do with something that's not the television show that I watch them for. I think that some of the people um, who I just have a paranormal relationship with, I just kind of want to say it that way. And, and more importantly, like, then how do you stand TV celebrities? They do TV shows and then come out and be activists for this, that, or the other thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't care so much about that. I don't, I, don't, I don't want them to be that for me. I like to compartmentalize, okay? I still think that they're on the island of Lost. I've never watched the last episode of Homicide, uh, believing that, you know, they're all still in Baltimore hanging out solving crime. I mean, I, I, you know, those, those things are kind of that way for me. Like, I don't want to read, I don't want to read my, uh, you know, um, Michael J. Fox's, Biography about about his illness. Well, I think it's a tragedy. He's still Michael J. Keaton or you know Marty McFly to me. I don't I don't want it, their personal stuff. I don't want it. And, I, and and the paranormal field has kind of done started to do that as well. You know, both in terms of the people who are um, are more recognizable and more visible to larger audiences because um, they're on television shows, but then also you know just the people that I know that I know them in one certain way, and I don't care what they. And if they okay, here's a picture of my kid. I'm like, all right, that's okay. But then it's all of a sudden it's like, 
come to this investigation or during this investigation, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden they start getting into political things. And I'm like, that's a total turnoff. Well, I, I think that there's a, a line that can be drawn. And the problem is that line has become so blurred with people that, and, and I, I don't want to say Facebook can be pointed to as the problem, but I see it as being the problem. I mean, I'm somebody that uses it, and I use it to keep in contact with people and to promote things as well. And I think the problem is, is you know, you might put yourself out there as say, and this is just an example, Matt Moniz, paranormal investigator, Okay. I convinced Matt Moniz, who did not want to have people, uh, random people on his personal page. He tried to keep that limited to just people that he knew on a personal basis. So I convinced him to have a public page. So he has that. He doesn't update it nearly as frequently as he should. (laughs) He put some really good stuff on his personal page that would be uh, equally good on the public page and would be fitting in it, but... I will put my um, my little <clears throat> quotes on there if that's what you want. And and I'm trying to get him to link it to a Twitter account, but that's a whole new ball of wax. I refuse to join Twitter. Well, Twitter would be different if it was just a reflection of your Facebook public page, but we'll talk about that off there. Uh, but if he all of a sudden, well, I was going to say, if he all of a sudden on his uh, public Facebook page started sharing the same things that he does on his private Facebook page, I would never do that. But I'm just saying, if you were somebody to do that, you're, I'm using you as an example because you have that clear line of differentiation. Uh, but if you have somebody like Matt who does that, and all of a sudden, just one time, they put their stance on, say, gun control on their public page, and four, five, six, twenty-five people uh, that are fans of that page like that post, well, then that person feels empowered to post more of that kind of thing up there. But meanwhile, they're just liking that post because they like Matt Moniz or said person, so they're just trying to support that person for airing out their view. Hey, I'm proud of you, Matt, for sharing what you think about that. Like. You know, so, but therefore, the person then thinks, well, obviously, they want to hear more about what I think about things. Right, right. Right. It it, it feeds that, that the audience is feeding that kind of ego, but also that kind of like, hey, wait a minute. You know, that feeling that we all have of, wow, people really care what I say. People are responding to what I say. Let me let me say more. Right. And if it, we're airing grievances, I'd like to do the opposite for one second. And, and I think 2012 was a great year uh, for Moniz quotes. Uh, <laughs> on, on and, and the best part about them, which I wish everyone would do, um, is that he quotes himself. Right, <laughs> so yes. He, he says something, and then he puts he puts his name as the as the you know said by Matt Moniz. It's because and it I is <laughs> because because it is. and that attitude is 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 uh, one that more people should adapt, adopt. I should say. But one pe- one thing people should not do is what my buddy Steve King does. And they should not like everything that they post on Facebook immediately after posting it. it it's like hilar- he can't stop doing it now because everybody just knows that he's going to do it. He'll put up something and then immediately he'll like it. Like, of course you like it. It's your own post. Right, my mom does that, too. It seems to be a, 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 a function of the elderly. Well, Steve's my age, so let's hope uh, it's not just an elderly thing. But <laughs> Well, I am glad that you like my little monies as they as people have called them and stuff like that. 
Yeah, I'm stealing them and collecting them, and I'm going to I'm going to publish a book, preferably through Schiffer, um, <laughs> of just quotes from Moniz. But that's but I mean that's why I'm trying to push Moniz into the Twitterverse because if he does that, if he puts if he links a Twitter account to that page, then those tweets will go out there, and that'll just increase their visibility, and they'll go out there more, and they'll be spread around. And next thing you know, you'll get a book deal and a TV show deal. Like I don't the, want a book. I know. Deal. I'm just kidding. I'm just saying, like the guy yeah. that did the you know bleep my dad says. Well, actually, I would like a book deal. <laughs> But I would like a book deal to do the book I want to do. If you let me continue to where I was going, you'll get to do a TV show with William Shatner playing you, because that's what happened. Is <laughs> are that, you saying I'm that old? No, the kid, the, the kid Justin Halpern started his own Twitter account of things that his dad said. They turned it into a television show and got William Shatner to play his dad. How great is that? Okay, okay. No, but um, if you want, I'll start putting. It. You said you've got all those posts, then why don't? <laughs> You uh, forward them over to um, Tim, and we'll put them on the public account. And from now on, uh, I post, what, two or three a week at least, and I'll start putting them on there because that will make it easier for you. And then I'll let you make a public Twitter for that. Exactly, and that's what it'll be linked up for. And it's a way that, you know, people, Matt's going to be, you know, at this place speaking, you know what I mean? It's just a way to, I mean, that's what social media is good for. The bad side of it is, you know, everybody's info is in your face. And that's something you never have to worry about with Moniz because he doesn't put his info out there. Uh, he'll he'll put his Not thoughts. Not on my public. You can yeah. tell on your private page when something has gotten you riled up enough that you feel that you have to share. <laughs> but uh, that's, you know, that's why you have just your friends and close acquaintances right. on there. Uh, well, Moniz, what's bothered you about the paranormal this year? And, and I don't want to say that you're, <clears throat> um, you, you know, you're usually very vocal when things get on your nerves. And I haven't really heard you complain a lot this year about things bugging you. But I'm sure that there's been something that's kind of, you know, raised your haunches up a bit in the paranormal this year. Yeah, uh, a couple of things. I think probably one of the most major things that uh, that's gotten me aggravated is there's been a rash of um, people hoaxing stuff and passing it off as, you know, being legitimate. And I'm not just talking the Aaron Houdini thing. Uh, I'm talking, you know, it, it's become rampant o- over the past year. Everybody trying to, you know, pass off things that are obviously faked. And uh, and a bit of, let's call it pilfering, like they're stealing, you know, photographs and passing it off as theirs that were legitimate. You know, we started the the year with that mm-hmm. and, and stuff. Um, thankfully, it's diminished because that doesn't help the field. You know, anytime you start creating false things, it doesn't really help matters. Uh, the other thing that's uh, gotten me aggravated is we started getting a little bit better as far as groups and people sharing things, and now we've gone back again. It's regressed back. Back to this is my place. One you step can't. forward, two step back. Yeah. Um, everybody keeps talking about the paranormal unity. You're you're not really going to ever see a unity in the paranormal. Know why? Because you don't see it in any other type of organization. How, how often do you see people, you know, agreeing on everything in Little League or in music? Or, you know, you're always going to have dissension. You're always going to have somebody that's going to be the bad apple and whatever. 
Um, well, not even that, but just differing opinions. Well, it, that's what I'm saying. You're, it, it does make a difference in if it's the paranormal or tiddlywinks. It's, it, you're going to have that. What we could strive for is a, um, a st- paranormal standardization, mm-hmm. which will help gain a little bit of... Um, it, it, I don't want to use... Well, yeah, get, let's use the term respect. Because that's that's, what is, that's the bumper sticker that I want to put out in 2013. Respect, not unity. And whenever anybody calls this show and says paranormal unity, I want to jump on them and say no, paranormal respect, because it's it's right. unity is that it's it's become such a. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I apologize for all my coughing and throat clearing tonight, but it's become uh, so Pollyanna, you know, so idealized that it can never happen the way the people are envisioning it. And you've been doing this for a long time, Monies, and, and you have enough trouble just getting, you know, somebody else that's investigated the same location as you to agree with your methodology of how you did it. Yeah. Let alone, you know, everything else about your style and, and your results. Uh one thing we can do is take like I I keep saying this over and over again, take a page out of Mufon's book. You know, I've been a member of MUFON years ago, and I still do work with, with them and stuff. But what they do is they have a standard protocol. Uh, not everybody likes it. Not everybody agrees with it. But but it's a, it's a singular point that everybody can uh, utilize. You know, it, we, we know that this is point A, this is point B, point C, and the, the steps are clearly marked out along the way and then you produce your results from following said sop we could do the same thing in the paranormal and once you've completed everything in you know that sop if you want to put addendums to it your own spin your own style your own other methodologies to it that's fine as long as we cover basics a b and c that's not being done well, <clears throat> the difference being, uh, you know, a standard operating procedure won't work when the people who are utilizing it aren't trained in that fashion. You're dumping that on them now when they've already had their approach uh, that's worked for them over the years. Whereas with yourself, as you're being trained as a scientist, you're learning that methodology as you're going along and there's everybody goes <clears throat> through the same process learning how to drive a car no not necessarily well for the most part because you know somebody's dad might teach them uh to hold the the wheel with one hand at the top but we all follow the same rules on the road is what i'm saying but the, the point being though is those little differentiations that that people make you're not going to be able to break them of it. And it could be those differentiations that are causing the friction uh, from one to the other. I think we kind of do have a standard method of investigating uh, to some degree. We all pretty much want to make sure that there's nobody around that isn't supposed to be there. You know, we want to make sure that we have control of the environment. We want to make sure that we get baseline readings if we're using those devices. You know what I mean? But the problem is there's so many different approaches that can be used that you've got to kind of standardize each one. Okay, well, here's the procedure if you're going to investigate with an EMF meter. Here's the procedure if you're going to investigate with a medium. And there's so much fluctuation and differentiation between them that it's kind of hard to, to get everybody on that same page. That's why, uh, like I said, you get one one SOP, one protocol. 
and put it under a ruling body. Not ruling. But that one a, protocol uh, might not work from case to case. It's okay when you're working with things that we have a, a solid understanding of, and that you can say, okay, this will react to this. But when we don't know what they're reacting to, we have to have it wide open so that we can try all different kinds of things. Well, luckily for us, there's a, a piece of literature already out there. Picture yourself hunting ghosts. <laughs> okay. you know? it's, still, it's still available, too. So, Well, I do want to get back to the first point that you made, though, Moniz, and the idea of uh, people passing off evidence, faked evidence, yes. as being real. And here's where it bothers me the most about that, because there's two different camps when it comes to that. You have the group of people who are passing off faked evidence as real, trying to get themselves more notoriety, getting on my ghost story, things of that nature. And then you have the other people who are putting it out there and uh, who don't. And, and some of those people, too, I should mention, uh, that when they get caught, they try to do that turnaround thing. Well, I was just putting out hoaxed evidence to see if anybody picked up on it. You know, that that doesn't work. You know, that's like, uh, you know, somebody getting caught cheating on their wife. And when they find out, they'll be like, well, I just want to make sure she still loved me enough to care. You know, it, it, it's <laughs> it doesn't work that way. And the other camp being the people who are putting out faked evidence and you can tell them that and they just won't listen and they'll attack you for saying so. And. I'm I'm starting to really wonder if there's a mental disconnect with some of these people. Uh, one through intent, one through ignorance. Uh, what, meaning meaning faking, one putting it out through clear and present intent, and the other group is through ignorance. They don't realize that I, it's fake. N no. I mean, the ignorant people are the ones who you know might take a picture of a camera strap and not realize that it's a camera strap, and you tell them it's a camera strap, and they still insist it's a ghost. That, but that's, that's always happened. That, that, through ignorance. But, th but that's always been the case as long as you know I've been doing this, and I'm sure well before that. But the, the bigger problem to me is the people that will put out a picture of a ghost app, uh, a picture that was taken with a, a ghost app on a, on a camera phone, and you will tell them that's from the ghost app, and they will swear up and down that it isn't, uh, and they'll go to great, great lengths to go against what it is that you're saying. And... And as Dave's pointing out, they'll call him a bully for doing that because I've witnessed that happen this year with with Dave and with other people. And for somebody to fight that hard when they're basically caught passing off fake evidence, I worry about what is wrong with that person mentally. And there seems to be more and more of those people that are having that issue. You know, has the paranormal and, and the pursuit of the paranormal and the popularization of the pursuit of the paranormal played into some people's you know, psychoses, because there's some really hard nuts to crack out there when it comes to convincing them that, you know, you know that what they put out there is fake, because I don't know if they believe that it's fake. Even though they acquired it through fake means, they still think it's real. Yeah. Self, um... I mean, Chris, we had you on the show that night that you shared that photo with us. You got a photo that blew you away. And it turned out to be from a ghost app, but you would have sworn that those people were telling you the truth, right? Well, the funny thing is, is that I, I, I it was too good to, to be real, mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to believe in the person who had sent it to me. Right, you didn't believe in the picture, but you believed in the person. Right, 
I was, because you know it was a is a a he is a parent of one of my students who had approached me hours earlier and said, I really you know I really want to talk to you about this because I've had experiences my whole life and you know I want some understanding of this and I also want to share it with someone and blah 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 blah. And then all of a sudden she turned around and did that and I was like, well wait a minute, what is what you're saying? What is your motivation for doing this? I don't get it. Um, and then when I confronted her, she was like, and it wasn't confronting, it was more of just like, oh, that's interesting because this and this. She said, well, it was actually a friend that sent it to me. And so maybe that friend just didn't know. And, and, and it's like what you're saying. It was, well, why, why were, you, were you testing me? Were you honestly, you know, and, and it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, a messed up world we live in because we have to, we have to juggle those. You know, and this goes for all paranormal fields. You have to juggle the integrity of the, of the evidence as well as the integrity of the person giving you the evidence as well as the integrity of the situation that the evidence was gathered in. You know, and it's really, and that's probably why so many people can attach themselves uh, to a story as opposed to evidence, which is why, you know, the, the, the general public isn't as um, sold on the, on, the, on the evidence that paranormal investigators gather, but they're more willing to understand a story that someone has experienced. It was a banner year, 2012 was, for the paranormal, and it was also, I think, a further bit of descent into the decline of paranormal pop culture, which is... I I would say the quality of paranormal pop culture, but but by no means the uh, proliferation of it. I think when we had a show about paranormal pop culture debut on television, and not last very long, but... I think that is kind of a sign that, you know, things are going down, downhill. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, I mean, the encouraging thing is that, you know, while there are many more um, paranormal shows in the works, uh, reality shows, there also seems to be, which is a good part of it, um, you know, the, you know, scripted paranormal shows. Uh, and maybe getting back to some of that stuff where we can easily differentiate between something that's being presented to us as fiction and something that's presented as fact but is fiction, um, you know, and there might be a few gems in there. So, you know, it's definitely, this was a year for, I think, renewal uh, of, a, of an interest in, but once again, I think renewal of an interest in the, in the story of the paranormal as opposed to the evidence of it. Well, I, I don't want to say that we're groundbreakers, but pff, we are. And... <laughs> We closed out 2011 saying that we really wanted to see 2012 be the year where we get away from the hardcore investigation and more toward the storytelling. Get back into the ghost stories of of why we got interested in this topic to begin with. And I think the TV shows, if you looked at what came out in 2012 and what's coming out in the future, they're less about following a team along on an investigation and they're more about people sharing their paranormal experiences uh, while there's a dramatic recreation happening on screen. You know, right. we're seeing more of those type of shows uh, than we are seeing the investigation type shows, and I think that that is that's going to do a lot more to keep the paranormal in the forefront going forward than, you know, a uh, hundred clones of Ghost Hunters. Yeah, and that's, that's encouraging for, for those people who love so those people who are in the paranormal, because you know, maybe it'll kind of bring their focus back to that. Because I, you know, like I said, I've, past couple of years, I've been talking about that is a much more interesting thing. But you know, I, I still think that people like to go out there and touch it, and I think that right. those that it's perfectly okay to to want to do that, and and you know, you shouldn't kind of want to do that. You shouldn't kind of want to 
get out there and maybe experience something and, and stuff like that. But, um, but you know, just to understand that, you know, it's really kind of, you know, it, it's interesting Matt said earlier that, that he wants to prove um, um, the existence of something. You know, and I, I think that I would look to 2013, you know, be about embracing the, the not understanding of it and kind of what can we gather from that as people. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that uh, the investigators are the backbone of keeping the paranormal going. The ones who are out there investigating it and the people who do want to touch it, as you said. Uh, but I think in terms of continuing the acceptance of that, then it's dependent on the storytelling. You know what I mean? It's dependent on the sharing of the experience uh, so much as the proof or the disproof of whether or not it actually exists. Yeah, yeah, and, and making it, you know, I think, a lot, I think a lot of people have kind of gone, oh, turned, like just people in the general public are, um, you know, I've stopped saying that, you know, I, oh, yeah, I'm a paranormal investigator, and I've started saying more that I've written books about uh people's experiences because I've actually found that people are less willing to share their experiences, especially this year, um, for fear of, well, it's something that can't be proven. So once again, I've gone back to being a loony mm-hmm. <laughs> because I can't prove what happened to me. And I, and there's no evidence. There's no investigation. I have no pictures. I just have these other, of these experiences and these feelings and these ideas that kind of get sparked. And so, uh, you know, I'm hoping that that kind of starts to uh, dissipate again. Well, I, I do think that there needs to be more of a focus on, as, as Moniz and I were saying, respect going forward in 2013. There needs to be more of a focus on if you're in the field and you want to do it, then just do it. You know, don't be so concerned about what everybody else is doing. Nike will now want in the- <laughs> <laughs> they, they They can uh, put me in the uh, Marv Applewhite camp of people who just co-op their phrases. Uh, but they, they need to... Focus on doing the job and letting that stand for itself instead of making themselves into celebrities, instead of trying to get yourself on a TV show and, and doing all this stuff. Because, you know, what what was it that people always said? Well, when I get on the TV show or when I get into the newspaper, that benefits my group because that increases our exposure and then we get more cases. Well, that kind of doesn't fly anymore. You know, if you're out there and people need you, they'll find you. The thing that will actually increase your help more, and, and it's what got people like Taps, the TV show, to begin with, is because you are out there doing it. Now, we can say whatever we want about what's happened since they got a TV show, but they got that TV show because they had that reputation because they were out there doing it. They weren't out there, you know, every weekend at some conference giving lectures and they weren't uh you know in pitch meetings with all these networks and they weren't filming their own pilots and sending them out there as far as we know so they're i'm I'm just saying i don't know that they that they didn't but uh if you believe the public backstory of it you know they were approached uh for a newspaper article because they had a large client base and they had a long history of, of of servicing the public and so that led to the magazine article. That magazine article kind of caught the attention of TV producers, and then a TV show was born. So if that's the way that it happens for you, then that's very organic, and that's good. But if you're out there seeking the spotlight for something that you're going to do in the future, then it kind of doesn't work that way. I can verify that they were around in the early 90s. Right. 
But I, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I don't know that they didn't put it out there to networks. Hey, we'd like to do a TV show. I'm okay. just saying the story that we we've been told publicly is that you know they had no interest in that and that they actually talked were talked into it. Okay. Uh, and one of the things too that uh, you know, for example, and I sent you an email on this today, Chris. I don't think I mentioned it to, to Moniz, but you know. There was somebody in the paranormal field, we won't name any names because we've said his name enough over the last few weeks, but he's launching a website on New Year's Eve and he's selling advertising and he's selling it with a named price, guaranteeing that his website is going to get tons of traffic. Well, it's very hard to sell something to somebody with a promise. Right. Especially when you don't have a proven track record in that. It's one thing if you're a TV show and you're like, Stephen Boschko is putting out a new drama. Advertisers buy some time because it's going to be huge because that's a you know a proven entity who's delivered before. But when you're in the midst of chaos and you're putting out there like, hey, I'm going to get you tons of traffic. You know, it's just, it's very weird. That being said, if anybody would like to advertise on Spooky South Coast in 2013, <laughs> please contact me, Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com because... You know, it's it's time. We've been doing this for seven years now. It'll be seven years next month. And uh, we've always given you a commercial-free podcast, except for a few things we promoted here and there. And I think it's time to start squeezing in some advertisement and getting some money for the program. Spooky sponsors. Nothing wrong with that, right? That doesn't take away our integrity. What ever happened to those, those weirdos from Nitbits? Why uh, did they stop advertising? They got overwhelmed with, uh, with orders <laughs> and haven't put anything up there in a while. You know, I, I think the other aspect of what you're talking about is, um, you know, I, I think that the, the current approach to the paranormal, um, you know, leads to some serious, you know, uh, depressing situations and emotional situations. And, and you know, when you, you know, even if it's just like the Facebook thing we were talking about earlier, when you um, set yourself up as a, a paranormal celebrity or someone that, you know, when those people stop following you and stop wanting your opinion on things, it becomes, you know, a kind of a dark place for a lot of people. Right. Well, you know, I, I was I was talking with Jeff earlier this week about about some stuff, and, and uh, you know, I, I cited an article I had written for, for Ghost Village, you know, a few years ago about how I, you know, I interviewed a whole bunch of people in November, a whole bunch of investigators uh, in November who I had... You know, they had just been mentioned in a newspaper article. We got about one minute, Chris, just so you know. Okay, and then, you know, I, I went back to them six months later, and all of them were kind of railing against the media and how the people hadn't returned their phone calls and how things hadn't, you know. And and I think that there's a, a very natural thing for happening if, if the paranormal becomes kind of this, or, you know, continues to be this kind of, um, you know, uh, audience-seeking aspect, when that audience is no longer that much interested and they're very fickle, um, which is why that other website I don't think would work. Um, there's there's emptiness that that very genuine you know hardcore to your soul sometimes there's some people because they've invested their 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 self into this and right. those people who are you know fly by night stop and and they take it as a personal thing. Well, uh, that does it for this week's show. We are out of time. Uh, we'll be back next week. Though we got somebody booked for next week, Chris. Uh, we don't currently because... Oh, more paranormal grievances then. <laughs> if you do have any that you want to share, we'll take them next year, but uh, next week. But we'll have, a, we'll have a whole new show to talk about a variety of different topics. Uh, so come back next Saturday night, 10, 15 or so p.m., midnight, until midnight. And uh, always check us out online, SpookySouthCoast.com, on iTunes, on YouTube. And uh, check out the Spooky Alternative feed as well. 
And uh, we'll be back next week. So uh, until then, for Matt Moniz, for Matt Costa, for Chris Balzano, we want you all to stay spooktacular and have a very Merry Christmas. Not afraid to say it. Assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. <laughs>